Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. Today, I have the joy of being joined by Jim Goldman, who is the CEO and co-founder of Trava. Welcome, Jim. Well, it's great to be here, Daniel. I always like to talk about the entrepreneur's journey. Awesome. Well, let's dive right into that. I like to ask people, like, how did you get into entrepreneurship and how did you know, like, this is for me and kind of the path of another career is not for me? So what, what's interesting is I almost started with entrepreneurship as a, as a side business. So uh, you know, I, I came to Indiana 33 years ago to take a professorship at Purdue, and it, I started the network engineering degree program there. In the early 90s, there was this big talk in Indiana about the Indiana brain drain because all of these students were get all these Indiana students were getting these great educations at places like IU and, and Purdue, and then there were no tech jobs for them, so they went to, you know, one of the coasts. And so I thought, well, well, clearly there must be some value in these bright students, you know, before they graduate and leave. And so I, I literally, you know, had that conversation with myself. Well, someone ought to do something about this. And then, then you look in the mirror and you say, well, you are someone. And so literally when I was a professor at Purdue, I started a consulting company called uh, Infocom Systems, uh, you know, in the Purdue Research Park. And I, and I hired students and I hired contractors. And at the time, you know, my specialty back then was like broadband communications, fiber optic communications. It just happened to be when, you know, the Midwest, the state of Indiana in particularly, was trying to build out regional broadband systems, you know, because the incumbent carriers weren't really providing broadband to the more rural parts of the state. And so we built quite a little business. Um you know, based on, uh, you know, employing Purdue students doing um, high-speed network engineering. So that was sort of my start uh, in the entrepreneurship thing, um, really. What were those early days like for you in terms of pace, intensity? You know, a lot of times we hear, we, we call it savage because yeah. we believe it requires some savagery, you know, especially when you're first getting going of like to figure that whole thing out. What was it like for you? Well, I think you're exactly right. And, and, and the thing that I would say, and I, I continue to say this is, if you don't have passion for the problem that you're solving, then, then don't start an entrepreneurial you know, adventure in that area because you won't last. In other words, you need some inner fuel that makes you feel like, boy, I would do this even if I wasn't getting paid because you may not get paid for a while, right? But, but it's still juicing you you're still enjoying it. You still want to get up and do it every day. Because when you do start out, to your point, you know, you are not just full-time salesperson, but you're also full-time service and delivery person as well, right? And you're a boss and you're doing quality control, et cetera, et cetera, you know, even as you grow your organization. So, you know, there, there's no shortage to the amount of work, but if you love what you're doing and you feel like you're doing something meaningful, it, you know, the reward is there. Yeah. So talk about Trava now, like, and what is that passion for you? Like, why did you and 
your team start that? And how do you describe that passion and love for what you do? So it's a very similar story in that, you know, there were interim steps along the way. So from Purdue, you know, I I went to work for the FBI for five years as a task force officer in the FBI Cybercrime Task Force. I served as lead cyber investigator on both criminal and national security cyber squads. And, And one of the things that I observed in my time there was, you know, when a large enterprise customer had a cyber attack, you know, they might suffer financially for a while, their stock price might go down, they might get some bad PR or whatever, but inevitably they were fine. But yet when a mid-market or small or medium-sized business suffered an attack, uh, over 60% of the time, that business goes out of business. And very often the principal or the owner or you know, uh, individually or personally suffers financial loss as well. And that always bothered me. So that was sort of that, that where the passion for doing something for mid-market and, and small and medium-sized business came from. And then as my career developed, uh, you know, I ended up at Exact Target and at Salesforce. I ended up building out Salesforce's enterprise security, governance, risk management, and compliance program for all of them globally. And I thought, okay, what we really need to do is we really need to take that very sophisticated, very expensive program that we built out at Salesforce. And how do we how do we shrink wrap that? How do we make that more digestible, affordable, understandable for the mid-market and, and small and medium-sized business? And that's what Trav is all about. So it's bringing sophisticated cyber risk management, you know, in a digestible format to mid-market and small and medium-sized business. Same passion though. Yeah, I, I love that. And I was actually just having a conversation before this with a client that was doing some strategic planning for this next year and saying, you know, cybersecurity and being breached like that is a huge risk for us. And and so they were trying to figure that out. And so anything that could you know, shut down your business in a day or two, I mean, it definitely is something that has to be mitigated. And so it sounds like that that's what fuels you and your team, if I'm hearing you correctly. No, that's exactly right. And, and it's almost like a, an awareness thing. I don't know whether people don't want to think about it or they don't have a good solution, so they don't think about it. But you know what I mean? There are a lot of risks that your average mid-market, small and medium-sized business face. Some have been around for years and years. So, you know, financial risk, you know, someone might slip and fall in the office. Like all of these kind of risks have been addressed and it's accepted and there's you know, well-known solutions. It's just, you know, that it, it, it seems like it's it's overwhelming, um, you know, the unknown nature of it, you know, the technical nature of whatever, that it just seems so complicated. We're trying to take that complication out of it. That's really what we're all about. Yeah, makes sense. So for you as an entrepreneur, I mean, think historically from your first endeavor to now with Trava and what you're describing, like, how do you sustain that passion that you're describing over a period of time because i think all of us you know as human beings we are we're prone to like go in these one month or three month <laughs> phases of like oh i'm i'm going to be super gung ho about you know getting to the gym or mm-hmm. you know being more present with my son you know but what what sustains that passion for you so uh, i think that i think there's almost like two bookends to every opportunity, uh, every customer opportunity. So the the first bookend 
that creates excitement is when you close that new deal, right? When you sign that new customer. And then the second bookend is when you're actually successful in taking that customer from where they were to where they wanted to be. So the thing that gets us really excited is, you know, now we're a year down the road and we took a customer that had like absolutely no cybersecurity program whatsoever to a place where they have a, you know, well-run, sophisticated cybersecurity program. And as a result, they're getting new business that they wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. So that's sort of the feedback loop for us. And as long as we get enough new customers and we get enough successful customers achieving their goals that we, you know, mutually set out together, then we're getting the juice we need to keep going. Yeah. What about you personally? Because I know, I mean, it sounds like you started and small business, and then you went obviously to a huge publicly traded company, and now you're back in the startup space. So, what is it for you that kind of fuels you to keep going? And and really, the to roll with the punches, the ups and downs of <laughs> yeah. startup startup life. So it's really myself and my co-founder. So I couldn't do this without my co-founder Rob Beeler. He has a very similar path. You know, he started a company of his own. He took it public. It was sold multiple times. He ended up working for Carbonite in, in Boston, which is almost the same size as Salesforce on the you know backup and recovery side. So two guys that you know went from small business up to huge business and kind of back again. And so in so doing, we realized, okay, what do we really want in a company? What do we want in a company culture more than anything? And, and so more than anything... We wanted a company culture where it was fun to come to work and it was fun to do work uh, because the kind of one of the questions you're getting at is the life of a CEO. What, what we joke, although it's not really a joke, is the life of a um, startup CEO is moving from one setback to the next. Yeah. So talk about at whatever depth you feel comfortable with, however authentic you want to be, you know, with just a, a setback or a failure that you have experienced at Trava and like, how did you push through that? What did you learn from it? Yeah, yeah. So we've had two successful funding rounds. So we did, well, maybe three, if you count the kind of the pre-seed round. And, and so in, I want to say, March, April of 2022, we were starting to work on our Series A round. And, you know, we had a signed term sheet. Everything was looking good. And then you know what started to happen to the economy then. And and so what happened was, you know, the limited partners behind the venture firm that we had the signed term sheet with started to want to add other conditions and got nervous and so forth. And finally, I had to say, I had to make the tough call to say, this isn't going to happen. We're done with you. And so what we did was we pivoted and I went back to our investors. We did what's called an investor-led round. You know, was it stressful? Yes. But there again... In the end, we ended up raising uh, more money uh, than we would have if the Series A round had been successful. I love that. So, for you, what did what were your lessons there for your leadership? Well, it's like it's like never give up. You know, you know, th- there's there's a joke that's sort of not a joke <laughs> around Trava. If you're familiar with the Winnie the Pooh characters, I'm Tigger and Rob is Eeyore, and so we're the we're the perfect balance <laughs> for each other. <laughs> 
that's hilarious. And I, I know Rob having met him and that's, it's just funny to picture you both as the, those characters. So I love it. Yeah. And I do think you need that balance. I mean, all kidding aside, you know, I am an eternal optimist and sometimes Rob needs to say, yeah, Jim, but you know, and at the same time, I need to reassure him, say, Rob, everything's going to be all right. This is going to work out. I know it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that, that partner dynamic, because, you know, a lot of, I would say the majority of folks that I talk with, you know, have a co-founder, a partner similar to you, which is, you know, you spend so much time with that person. Like I think of my partners at Full Stack and just how much time we've spent together learning each other, idiosyncrasies, going through difficult times together. You know, it's it's made us stronger, but then in, in other cases, you know, it can it can go poorly. And so like what's what's been key for you and Rob as co-founders to really, you know, know like this is a good match. That's a really good question. So I think the first thing is almost to back up and understand even that part is an interview process. So Rob was not the first potential co-founder that High Alpha introduced me to, okay? And, and so it's not like you have to find a way to make it work with the first, first, first potential co-founder that comes along, right? But there was something about Rob and me when we started just sharing our individual journeys. There were so many parallels but on a personal basis, a, a business basis, the type of companies that we worked for, what we, th- what we thought was important in a company culture from a corporate standpoint, you know, the value of individuals, um, you know, the value of laughter in the workplace, just this kind of thing um, that, we, yeah, I, I mean, we just clicked and it was clear that we were on the same page about the type of company. It was almost not so much about the product. It was more like we had to come to agreement on what type of company did we want to have. And then we'd worried about what we were going to do in terms of a product and service and that kind of thing. That's really how it worked. Yeah, that's, I love that. And from what you described too, I mean, I don't know if you use EOS uh, at all with, with Trava, but like, it sounds like from what you're describing, you're more of the visionary role and Rob would be more of the integrator. Is that what I'm gathering? That's very fair. Yeah. And sometimes I'm a little too visionary, I think. (laughs) And he's he's like, bring me back in. I mean, the other uh, sort of positive but challenge in our relationship is, and Rob would probably say the same thing, is I have a technical background. So I'm probably more technical than a lot of CEOs. You know, I get excited about external APIs and, you know, (laughs) and things such as that. Uh, so that, you know, that's sort of a, uh, a benefit and a curse to Rob because I start talking like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to our product. Yep. Yeah. So how do you navigate that? I mean, because I've seen it in organizations where basically the, the integrator or the operations team is like they hear another idea or a vision from someone, someone like you and they're rolling their eyes, whether it's literally they're doing it or internally they're doing it. How do you stay fresh in that relationship, um, knowing you're both wired differently, you have different ideas, you might butt heads? So there again, you know, we benefit from Rob having done this at such a large company over so many years. So he's got the planning structure down, right? 
And so he's got all of the different roadmaps worked out and everything else. And so if I come up with a crazy idea, he'll say, well, here's our roadmap. You know, is it more important than this? Is it more important than this? Where would you put it in this priority? And I'm a structure guy, so I totally respect the structure of all that. And so we're, we're able to easily come to agreement on anything new that I might come up with, where it falls in terms of overall priority with what he all has on his backlog already. And, you know, we do it with a sense of humor. You know, whenever I ask him when something's going to be rolling out, he'll always tell me Thursday. Yeah. He just won't say what Thursday, but it's always Thursday. (laughs) It's kind of like when your your kids are asking in the car, you know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're just like, yeah, we're just around the corner. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So often, you know, when we bring on, and I want to ask a little bit about the team outside of you and Rob, but when you bring on a team, especially from two co-founders, you've built something that you've begun to sell and implement, and then you bring on a team, and and I know you, you all have scaled fairly quickly. So what are the blind spots that you've found about yourself in your own self-awareness work that your team has exposed through that p- process? Well, the thing that comes to mind, I don't know if it's the best example of what you're driving at, but I'll start with this and then we can poke further, is I, I think some people were surprised how much I like to sell and B, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And now that's sort of a, a double-edged sword because it was and has been difficult for me to step out of the sales role. And, and I think that's a big transition because CEO selling, I, I believe, is a critical success factor to most startups. If, if you know, one, one of the two co-founders has to be able to sell and has to be really good at it in order to be successful. The trick is, how do you get that selling co-founder to step out of that role in any kind of smooth kind of manner? So how have you done it? Or is it still a work in progress? It's still a work in progress. I mean, we've got a full sales team. We've got a vice president of sales with a much more structured methodology, you know, than I ever had in place. But that doesn't stop me from, you know, loving to loving to sell what we do because I've got the passion. You know, I don't feel like I'm selling. I'm trying to solve my customers' problems is all I'm trying to do. Yeah, I got it. That that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people that are in a similar stage to you will relate to that because I know I'm just relating to that right now, you know, as I wasn't a co-founder of Full Stack, but I was brought in to as a partner to figure out how to sell Full Stack, you know, in the early days and figured it out, cracked the code. You know, I'm still figuring out it out in a lot of ways. But then my goal has been, okay, like replicate. Uh, my, myself and and multiply my efforts and and I think that there's a challenge there. I know for me, I would say it's it's probably relinquishing control. Yes, um, absolutely. Like, yeah. What would you say for you is the challenge there? I think it's knowledge training. I think the the relinquishing control comes from putting together a, a structured kind of knowledge transfer. In other words, how can you make your account executives and your pre-sales engineers and so forth as effective as you were. All the stuff that I just 
have in my head that I don't need to write down, they don't have in their heads. So how do, how do we, you know, how do we equip them to be as successful as they can be? That's sort of the trick, in my opinion. Yeah, which um, I'm sure you as a visionary really enjoy doing of just writing down everything that you do. (laughs) (laughs) If you heard me typing, I was taking a note uh, because I'm just like, yes, like that. That's just an insight that I needed to hear. And I think, you know, in coaching the people that I do, it's something they need to hear as well. But yeah, it's I'm curious how you've done that. Are you like, are you recording videos? Are you yeah, doing? No, we, yeah, we record videos. We record sales calls. I invite people onto sales calls. I invite new employees onto sales calls all the time. We we do a lot of case studies, you know, with existing customers. So anybody can read. Okay, here's where the you know it's that it's that customer journey thing that I was talking about. Here's where the customer was. Here was the pain we had. Here's what we did for them. Here's where they ended up. Yeah, it's so good. I like it. So talk to me about how, as you and Rob, you know, knew, okay, this is going to work. We're getting some early successes. We've got an investment. You know, we're bringing team members on. What is it that you're looking for in those team members as like, that's unique to travel? Like what, what's important to you that you know, like this person is going to be a fit here? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. So some of these things are going to sound trite or like, yeah, I've heard that a hundred times before. I've read that in a LinkedIn article or whatever. But the first thing I would say is my personal philosophy has always been hire for capabilities and train for skills. So I, I look for capable people, even if they don't necessarily have the exact skills. You know, we, we use something called the Gallup Strength Finders as a personality test for everyone they, we hire. And what's uncanny is, and I won't go into a lot of detail, but but one of the 34 strengths that they identify is lifelong learner. And over half of Travis employees have lifelong learner as one of their top five strengths. And so that's what I mean by hire for capabilities. You know, if we can get a sense in the interview process that this is a person that has shown, you know, they, they are a lifelong learner, you know, they started over here, but now they're over here. It's like we don't shy away from people like that. We welcome people like that. So hire for capability, train for skills. And the other thing is we're we're looking for people that have a well-rounded, well-balanced life. You know, you have to go back to our values. So I mentioned before, one of our values is we believe that laughter makes us more productive. Now, I, I also like to say we take our laughter very seriously here at Trava. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, all kidding aside, that doesn't mean we ask them to tell a joke on an interview, but it's just you can tell, you know, is this a person that can be relaxed? And because cybersecurity is a very stressful field, as you can imagine. And so you can't bring a stressful personality to this job. You have to have a personality that allows for comic relief if you're going to last in this field. And then the the other thing that we're looking for is someone that's got balance where work is not their entire life. So one of our values is we take care of ourselves and our families first so that we can bring our best to travel. It's so good. And I want to come back to that last one. That's one of the questions I like to end on is how do you personally do that? Um, 
But first, you said something there about like your company values. And I, I think one of the biggest challenges that leaders like us have is keeping those as living and breathing things, you know, not just those things that we came up with in our strategic yeah. planning meeting yeah. as an executive team that we posted up on, you know, whether it's on a physical or a yeah. virtual wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's some it's something that's living and breathing, you know, in, in both how we celebrate other team members for living into them, but then also how we confront, you know, when team in a constructive way, team members that don't. And so like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's a very good question. And and different teams at Trava do it differently. But I can tell you, for instance, on Rob's team, when they have their product meeting every week, they talk about a different value every week, one value. They say, how are we doing at this? Anybody have an example of how we've lived this out this week? <clears throat> we also have a kudos Slack channel where, you know, someone living out a Trava value, everybody gets a shout out on the kudos Slack channel. Got it. And I also think it starts with the top. Like Rob and I have to be vulnerable enough to share openly about, you know, things that relate to those values in our own lives, because, you know, it, it kind of it's the old trickle down theory. If, if they see that the, the co-founders of the company, you know, take these to heart, take these seriously, live these out, you know, day to day, then they will as well. Yeah, that's so good. And I could spend a long time there, but I just wanted to ask a couple of questions to to finish out. And it's related to what you just shared. But one of the things that when we started out Savage to Sage, we thought, okay, it's this, you know, it's kind of this upward journey of like, you start out at savagery, but then you evolve into a sage as an entrepreneur, Hope, hopefully, if you if if you take care of yourself, live a value based life, you know, et cetera. But what we've come to in talking, having a number of these conversations, is uh, people that we respect as entrepreneurs have said, Daniel, if you lose the savagery, I think you, you sort of you sort of lose the the essence of who entrepreneurs are. And so when you think about that idea of like your evolution and those ideas of savage to sage like what do you reflect on when you hear that well even before you you kind of said that i was going to say no i think it's actually savage to savage <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah it, you it doesn't go away I, I mean if you're going to be an entrepreneur you have to and even even within one company even within trava it's like okay we've had some success you know we we were here and we we're struggling now we're here and we're struggling with something else. It's like you have to be just as savage every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I I now I'm I'm there and I I just think about how savage looks differently now than it did. Right. You know, for right. me four years ago when, when no I question. first jumped into my current venture. And hopefully that is the result of you know what I've learned personally about myself from a self-awareness perspective of what what makes me tick and what what not to do uh but then also on a on a business level of okay we we tried that and it failed and there was a lot of lessons that we harvested from that so what are we going to do differently now and that's and that's where i think the sage comes in it's that you you know what i mean no that's a very very good point a savage doesn't mean you beat your head against the wall, even though you're not getting anywhere, right? Right. 
you know, so you attack things savagely, but you know, when you run into the wall, you bounce back and say, wow, that hurt. Maybe I won't do that again. Maybe I'll look for a door instead of trying to run through the wall next time. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, it's, it's not living in the, the definition of insanity, I guess you'd say. Right. Um, right. But I, I do think it, that's, that's a huge challenge when you're, you're in that space of you're running really hard to bring a product to market, to sell it, to, you know, do a high volume of, of sales, to, you know, bring on a round of investment, to bring on team members, to get them up to speed. And you can quickly fall into that trap of like, oh, I'm just going to do the same things that I always do. And, um, and so what's, what's helped you in a way to like step out of that and to not do that? So I think there's two things. So I think we want to distinguish between intensity and savagery, right? So I would say the intensity can never be let down. You know, I'm as intense now. We're, we're almost a hundred customers. I'm as intense in closing my next customer as I was in trying to close my very first customer, right? So the intensity can't leave. The other thing that, that I think we have going for us, quite frankly, is from the very beginning, we put together a very structured planning process, you know, common terms like that you've heard before, North Star, Big Rocks, Little Rocks, et cetera, accountability, you know, mid-quarter reviews, quarterly reviews, you know, reassessments, et cetera. So, so that's what keeps us honest and accountable with each other are, are we succeeding? You know, it's no judgment. It's like, okay, we tried this. It didn't work. Well, what are we going to do next quarter? What are we going to, you know, did, did that change our North Star, et cetera, et cetera. If you have a structured planning process, then you're not flailing. You can keep your intensity up, but you're not flailing. Yeah, that's that's a really good differentiation. And and I, I think too, what you said about that that whole value of the company of being a well-rounded person. And, you know, what I heard you saying is you're really taking time to reflect, to recharge that you aren't, your identity isn't solely based on, you know, being the CEO and co-founder of Trava, but that you are, you know, you know, whatever those identities are with your family and friends and community. And, and so uh, that's, I'm just curious as a final question, like, what I like to ask is how do you kind of maintain that entrepreneurial pace, but then how do you, how do you recharge? Like if you could do a th- something for an hour tomorrow that, you know, this is going to recharge my battery and help give me perspective more than anything else. Sure. This is what I would do. Sure. Well, I, I do like to try to leave the work day behind and enter my personal life in a structured way. So I do try to do a workout at the end of the work day. And just that exercise, you know, it's a thought, it's a cleansing kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so I leave the work behind. Um, I also, believe it or not, I don't look at my email on the weekends. You know, my people know if I'm needed, they can text me, they can Slack me, they can call me, but I won't be checking my email on the weekend. And I encourage them to do the same thing. Yeah, I I love that idea that. I think could be very relieving to a lot of people that I know. So. <laughs> right, right. You know, and the other thing that I, that I think is critically important that is sort of related to it that we didn't get to is you have to have people that are, have been around enough and are comfortable enough in their own skin that they don't have to act like they know it all. And what I mean by that is I need my 
fellow leaders and my fellow employers to help me. I expect them to disagree with me if they don't agree with me. And so we have open and honest dialogues, right? Or let's say I write a job description and, you know, I, I write a paragraph and I know it's not that good. And Rob says, you know what? That's not really that good. And I say, well, would you do me a favor? Would you write that for me? You know what I mean? And he does a much better job than I do. And like, that's okay. That's the way we work. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So a final piece of sage advice from you to someone that is a new entrepreneur, you know, just starting their first venture or they're considering making the jump, like, what would you say to them? I would say it's kind of two things, um, and it has to do with passion and trusting your gut. If you have this feeling inside you that that this is something that you ought to do, it goes back to, you know, you're passionate about a problem, you're upset about it, you know, you wake up in the morning, you think about it, and you're saying to yourself, somebody ought to do something about this. Why hasn't somebody done something about this? The answer is because you're the somebody. You're the somebody that's supposed to be doing something about that. Yeah, I like that a lot. And um, I think that also could apply to your home life as well. Like with, <laughs> with, uh, yeah. with, with your spouse or partner, it's like, you know, whenever I find myself saying that internally, if someone should do something about this, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's probably me. But I yeah. love that <laughs> advice from a, uh, uh from an entrepreneur perspective, uh, because exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like that typically is reflective of, you know, what, what really angers us, what makes us the most impassioned about, you know, problems is, is what we're being asked to solve, you know, in a lot of ways is what I hear you saying. So there's yeah. a reason why that idea has been placed in your subconscious. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Um, thank you for the conversation and your wisdom. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and, and Trava, where would you point them? Um, com, And my email is jim.goldman at travasecurity.com. That's bold right there. But um, I appreciate your uh, your willingness to to give that out, especially for entrepreneurs, you know, like we mentioned at the end. So that's awesome. You bet. Thank you, you so bet. much. This has been great. Okay. And I do post to LinkedIn a lot. So you can follow me on LinkedIn. That's a good way as well. Sounds good. Yeah. We'll drop that in the show notes. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.